Hey, my name is Diego Vargas, and I bet you can't play this. Listening to the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Business, 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 This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Print Company, located in Fort Worth, Texas. You may remember I talked to Justin back in episode 5 about the merch industry and his passion for music and working with bands and artists. Do you need help with your merch? Skinny Armadillo specializes in quality apparel decoration, including screen printing, embroidery, design, digital on-demand printing, web stores, fulfillment, and more. Contact Skinny Armadillo now to find out how you can grow your merch sales, discover the current printing technologies, or to get a quote. Call 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. That's 817-546-1430 or visit theskinnyarmadillo.com. I have some great news for listeners of the podcast. If you're a band or an artist that needs some merch printed, or a business that needs promotional apparel or other items, in the month of January 2020, call Skinny Armadillo and mention the Music on Your Own Terms podcast and get 10% off your first order. Make sure you stay up to date with the podcast by signing up to the mailing list at musiconyourownterms.com. There you will find show notes to every episode and links to other resources. This is episode 30 of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. This time out, I'm talking to Diego Vargas, a young guitar player from Southern California that I met at the CD Baby conference in Austin this year. As you've already heard, not only is Diego an excellent guitar player, but as you'll hear from the interview, he has a very mature mindset about the music industry and his own personal growth as an artist. I hope you'll be as inspired as I have been in listening to this episode. All right, welcome to another episode of the Music on Your Own Terms podcast. Today, I'm joined by Diego Vargas, who's a young guitar player from uh, Southern California. Thanks for joining me today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Anytime. Um, so your motto on your Instagram feed is, I like to play guitar really fast. That's pretty accurate. You know, the faster, the better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, we, we met, at the, um, CD baby conference in Austin this year and, um, we were at the showcase at, uh, what was that bar called? Uh, cheer up Charlie's, I think. Um, good luck Charlie's. Yeah. Yeah. And so I, I was, you know, watching and I saw this guy, the back of some, you know, some guy's t-shirt with Chapman guitars. So I had to you know, go up and say hello. So what did you think of the conference? Oh, I had so much fun. I met a lot of really, really cool musicians. A lot of them I still keep in touch with now. Mm. And I just, I learned so much and I'm so happy I got to go. But yeah. And <laughs> no, it was just funny. I just wanted to bring up um, meeting you. That was a lot of fun at the uh, like Charlie's. Yeah. No, because I, I just found it funny. It's like, you know, the first day we're talking, we're having a good conversation. It's like, oh yeah, you know, nice to meet you. The next day at like six in the morning, um, in the lobby area, I just see you walk up to me and you say something along the lines of, um, you're good at guitar. I hate you. <laughs> right. Yeah. I don't think it was 6am. I think it was a bit closer to nine. I don't think I would have oh. been up at 6am, but yeah. Okay. Yeah. That makes more sense. Yeah. No, I, I was, I was just, you know, busting your balls. 
Because yeah. uh, are you have you turned nineteen yet? No, I'm still eighteen. You're still eighteen, and you're yeah. I mean, regardless of your age, you're an insane guitar player. Which Thank just you very much. adding the adding the age just makes it you know rubs it in even more. <laughs> so <laughs> thank you. No problem. Um, going back to the conference though, just quickly. I mean, what what prompted you to go in the first place? Like, what was the? Because eight, you know, at eighteen, I think. Um, I know. I mean, I went to. I, I came to the U.S. for the first time at eighteen. But you know, what was the catalyst for taking you? You know, coming coming to uh, Texas and going to the conference i just real what movie really wanted to go was i just realized i kind of hit like a plateau of what i knew like music business wise and i was mm-hmm. like you know what like i started doing research and i realized that you know it's not the same way it used to be you can't just like you know go play everywhere and get a record deal it's not the way it was in the 80s i'm like i just realized like i don't really have a clear idea on what it takes to make it mm-hmm. so i did my research you know my dad we tried to look you know here and there and he found this conference i'm like this looks amazing. Why wouldn't I not want to go? Right. So then I went and it was definitely worth it. I learned so much incredible, just so much, so much stuff. It was definitely a blast. Sure. And, and, you know, you said, you know, quote unquote, make it. So is your opinion of that based on, you know, the traditional getting signed to a label, you know, what, what society kind of feels as making it, did the conference kind of change your perspective of what making it was? I think it was, uh, hmm, because I know for the longest time, I definitely did think of making it as, you know, being a super mega rock star touring the world. But then as I grew older and kind of matured a bit more and looked at the state of the music industry, it's not that I don't think I can do it. But I think for me, making it is where you can live successfully. Like, you don't have to be super famous, but if you're making money off your art and you're, you know, comfortable, that's, I think, in my definition, is making it. And the conference definitely... um really proved that to me awesome you you have just not only installed my faith in the younger generation but <laughs> i can end the discussion now because that's that is like word for word the perfect response for the the making it argument like textbook. Yeah. that's textbook so congratulations yeah. no that that's exactly you know that's exactly it the i thought the conference was extremely uh supportive and everyone was really friendly um, like you said, you know, tons of con- contacts and everyone, you know, really just interested in what everyone else is doing. It's really, really um, a really healthy environment. Um, yeah, no, it was it was great because like I'm in SoCal, like I'm close enough to like, you know, like Orange County and LA and all the big areas. Mm-hmm. But my town is pretty small. So I don't get to meet a lot of other like musicians trying to do the same thing I want to do. So sure. it was kind of like a culture shock to meet a lot of musicians that want to do the same thing I'm doing. Like, oh my God, there are people like me. They understand the crap we go through. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, great. That, that's what I felt like growing up in, you know, as a metalhead, like that whole community was like, oh, there's these people I connect with. And that, yeah, it's the same mm-hmm. feeling exactly in the, in the, the conferences. Um, so as we said, you're 18. When did you actually yeah. start playing? Well, maybe we want to start. Um, yeah, well, maybe we want to start. I think I was like in the fourth or fifth grade, so I was probably like around eight, nine, ten. I don't exactly remember, but I remember it was like on the early days of YouTube. I was just scrolling through YouTube, and in the corner of my eye, I see this recommended video. It was Guns N' Roses' "Welcome to the Jungle." I'm like, oh, I don't know what this is. I'll check it out, and it was just like you know the gates of heaven opening up, hearing you mm. know Guns N' Roses slash shredding on the guitar, and like. I still remember it. I was like air guitaring in my room and then the song's over. I turn around, I see my dad staring at me I'm like, what are you doing? <laughs> and all I could think of was I just discovered rock and roll. Right. And that was pretty much the catalyst to where I am now. Nice. Uh, and you said you were nine or 10 at that point. Yeah, I was pretty young. Still in elementary school. So where, did you actually start playing that same year? I mean, did you get like, did you get bought a guitar at that point or did you have to like, you know, keep badgering, you know, your parents like, <laughs> give me a guitar. Um, I was actually lucky enough because my grandpa was a guitar player. Oh, nice! Um, back in Mexico, mm-hmm. and um, like around Christmas time of that year, my um, uncle gave me one of his old acoustic guitars, and he told me, um, "I'm going to give you this guitar if you learn it." Sure. Because it's my dad's. If you don't learn it, bring it back to me. But if you want to learn the guitar, it's yours, and I, it's still in my room right now. Nice. And then after that, I still had to badger my parents for guitar lessons. Like, mom, 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 I want guitar lessons. Please, please, please. Right. Like, oh, fine. Just get the guitar lesson and shut up. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Um. So 
so you took some uh, private lessons for a while. Yeah. So what what happened after that? I mean, what what presumably you went through all the chords and and bits and pieces that you do as a beginner. What at what point did you feel like you 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 reached um, like the next step of being being proficient? I think it was like around like, when I was in middle school. Mm-hmm. I first joined the jazz band, and it was at that point I kind of realized like I had learned more, and I was like the it was the starting point for me becoming proficient because mm-hmm. at that point you know yeah i was in the school's jazz program i had to learn you know proper jazz which is like crazy theory yep and i also started taking um classical guitar lessons which really really pushed me to actually feeling like you know what? i'm a competent guitar player i can hold my own mm-hmm. and then from there i just kept on you know growing i don't think i ever really stopped growing or taking lessons like i still do to this day yep absolutely yeah. always never stop learning but i'm just thinking as far as you know, just the baby steps of learning, you know, what a chord is and learning your hand coordination to starting to get like to build your um kind of mental process of now I know what a, the timbre of a note is and how to Ooh. articulate, you know, because that's that's the big difference between someone who plays not necessarily for a hobby, but like going from the beginner stages of learning how things work and getting your muscle memory together to the point where you're actually, you know, starting to use the, um, use the sounds as an emotion and an outlet and like quote unquote talking in a vocabulary that you've already learned rather than just, this is the right note and this is the right timing, but there's so much more to it. You know, it's such a deeper level. Oh, that's so much deeper than what I gave you. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, God, I really, I really like that question. And, you know, I think I started understanding that concept around like ninth or 10th grade of high school when I was like 14 or 15. But I don't know. It's interesting because like that's something I've been thinking about a lot recently is like, you know, at what point does the guitar and the notes you play become what you're trying to feel? Mm. And it's something I realized that like, you know, even though I'm a proficient technical player, there's still a lot in the emotional aspect I need to work on. But I think when I first started, when it first kind of came into its own, I reached musical sentience, had to be like around um, high school, like 14 or 15 years old. Okay. I've already done a bunch of like other stuff. Yeah. Sure. And when, when did you start? So you, you're in the jazz band. Did, did you, at, around that time, did you start getting a, a band to get like a garage band or something? When did that? Oh yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I, I remember in eighth grade, like, because in my area, there aren't as many rock musicians. There's a lot of like jazz and classical, which is great for, you know, becoming immersed in different genres. Sure. But for starting a garage band, you know, I want to play, you know, rock music. And everyone else wants to play Giant Steps by, you know, John, <laughs> oh, no. John Coltrane. Yeah, jazz. I for, yeah, I forgot who was by. Yeah. But yeah, I know. I remember um, I was always like, oh, God, I want to be in a band so badly. Then a friend of mine who played keys said, hey, I got a band. You want to join it? And like, yes. Awesome. And then from then on, I just kind of started my... Um, you know, my desire to just be in bands. Awesome. Um, and speaking of bands, um, uh, so you, I saw that you, um, you had auditioned for a, um, for a band recently and just played the whiskey. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. So what's the, can you talk about that? What, what band is that? It was, um, Fly Johnson, but yeah, the show was a lot of fun, but afterwards we kind of just realized that, you know, we weren't a good fit for each other. Okay. I wish them all the best and you know, they're, 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 they're good to me. So yeah, but you've that's about you, it. You've played the Revered Whiskey a Go Go, and you've got that on your resume now. Yeah, definitely. So, so what what's next? I mean, what you've got? Um, you're building a YouTube channel now. Yeah, you're putting your cover videos out, which is you know it's, it's what a lot of people do to get their their name out there. Um, yeah. What's your What's your plan for going? Oh, actually, have you have you graduated high school yet, or is it this coming? Oh yeah, I, I did. I did this year, this past June or July. I don't oh. know. High school was a blur. <laughs> what? So what's next? Are you are you off to college, or are you doing something different? Or currently, I'm taking a gap year from college. I know because a lot of my friends, you know, the, the first thing they did was you know go to college right afterwards. But I kind of it kind of hit me as like you know what I you know college sounds like a good idea, but I kind of need to figure out things that are better fit for what I want to do. Sure. So like, you know, I've been putting, like you said, I've been putting cover videos. I have a um, you know, bunch of ideas for the, the upcoming year for bigger cover videos because the one thing I noticed on like YouTube for cover videos is like, you know, there's a lot of great guitar players out there, 
football a lot, but I think for me personally, I've always enjoyed like you know watching movies and stuff like that. Mm. So when I watch like some cover videos, like they just sit there and play guitar with one camera angle. It's like oh, yeah, they're great players, but from like a visual aspect, it's kind of dull. So I've been thinking about trying to do like more interactive, creative cover videos. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, yeah. we we're we're a visual society, and that kind of, um, I mean that that kind of thinking is going to take you a long way because. Look at look at the success of it. Instagram being a visual platform, and now TikTok. Have you have you experienced experimented with any of those platforms? Um, TikTok, I have. I've downloaded. I have an account, but I haven't posted stuff yet because I haven't had the balls to. <laughs> but I've, I'm, but I've definitely been wanting to for a while. I have some stuff ready for it. I just need to actually do it. And then on Instagram, that's probably where I'm most active on. That's great, but I mean, long term, do you have any? kind of ideas of where you're going or you're just kind of seeing what out what's out there right now and figuring it out it's i mean that's the trouble coming from a 40 year old to an 18 year old it's like yeah i i have no i i had no idea where i was going at your age it's it's amazing to me that you're so you know focused on on you know what you're doing um i mean from your opinion do you think the the fact that you have all these amazing musicians having youtube accounts and social media accounts and they're so popular is how do i word this i mean is that kind of something that influenced you to do it or you just want to play guitar and you figured that's the easiest way to get out there or oh no i was definitely influenced by a lot of these like um youtube guys like um frog leap studios and leo um, i love leo Oh yeah, no, his stuff is great. He's the one of the, like the main guys that inspired me to like really up my video quality. Sure, you know because he has like his multiple GoPro angles. His videos have like a story, super interactive. Like you can tell he's into it mm. and stuff like what else, like E Rock, you know, like or like you know Anderton's Studios, where it wasn't really like guitar based stuff, but you know, kind of showed about like you know creating an online community and getting fans involved. And a lot of stuff really inspired me to try and you know do the whole YouTube thing. Right, that's awesome. But definitely along with that, I'm still also looking, you know, constantly looking for gigs to play out, out there because, you know, making videos is fun, but nothing compares to, you know, the pure adrenaline when you're on stage and you're just shredding and everyone's like, oh, my God, <laughs> like nothing beats that. Right. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So so basically you just you just, you know, got your feelers out and whatever comes up, comes up. And then. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's always interesting. People ask me like, "Oh, like, oh, you're out of high school. You're 18. What do you want to do for the rest of your life?" I'm like, "I don't know. I'm just trying to figure out what I'm going to eat tonight. Come <laughs> right. on, just give me some time." Right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean that's the thing. Life, life is a journey, and you kind of have to um, enjoy every minute of it. And you know, no, yeah. no one has a has a goal for. You know, you you can say what your ideas that you want to do in 20, 30 years are, but nothing's going to ha- pan out the same way. So you just have to enjoy it. Um, oh yeah, no, I'm so excited for the fact that I have no idea what life's going to give me because if if life gave you what you just what you wanted to do, it'd be boring cuz you'd know what come up. Right. But I just love the fact that, you know, who knows in 30 years I might pull a Danny Elfman and compose music for a movie or, you know, be in, in a world touring band. I don't know what's going to happen and that excites me. That's that's awesome. That's an awesome uh you know, attitude to have. Um Thank you. So let's let's go to the John Petrucci thing. Can you talk? Can you talk about that? Oh, the the camp. The camp. Oh, it was so 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 much fun. I had an absolute blast. Um, the the first day there, I already made like a bunch of friends with all like the younger guys because it was like a lot of like older people there, like in their twenties and thirties. <laughs> but there was like a small, like little ragtag team of us that are like between like fifteen and like twenty four. Yep. And we have we have, we still talk to this day. Our group we have a group. It's called um like Petrucci. It's called the Truch Group. Yep. And we still talk to this day, talking about gear where everyone is right now. So I think like, you know, beyond just learning stuff, I made a lot of cool guitar friends. That's great. That was definitely a blast. But the stuff we learned, oh my god, I never thought I could view guitar the way that they showed. Mm-hmm. Because it was like, you know, Jason Richardson and Rusty Cooley, Andy James. And they're showing like the ways they view the guitar. And I'm just like, I had never thought of that. Mm. I am a bad guitar player. I need to go practice right now. That's kind of how I how I feel every time I watch uh, like Guthrie Govan or, uh, you know, a- oh my, oh my. Andy Wood or people like that. And just like, nah. um, 
Well, that's the thing. Ever, no one can be better than you are at you. Yeah, so, that's that's very I think, true. I think the uh, the the underlying um, lesson is just be yourself, because you'll yeah. you'll never Not... be John Petrucci because John Petrucci is John Petrucci. <laughs> yeah. No, I love that. Like you know, be you, be authentic. Because I think people, for the most part, can tell when someone's not trying to be authentic. Mm. So when you're you, people just kind of radiate to that. Absolutely. But then again, you know, being Guthrie Govan wouldn't be the worst thing ever. Not at all. I'm halfway there. I'm English. Oh, you're better than me already. (laughs) Halfway there. So, um, but yeah, so as far, I mean, what what would you say the biggest um, eye-opener at the the Petrucci camp was? The biggest eye-opener? Hmm. I'm trying to think because like it was like a barrage of information. Mm. Like I have a whole like notebook filled with notes. Um, it was just like a bunch of great stuff. Like um, John Petrucci is like he's talking about kind of the way he viewed the modes in relation to writing. Um, Jason Richardson, R- Jason Richardson was showing some like different techniques he uses for sweep picking. Yep. Where he doesn't like bar notes, he kind of like alternates fingers on the left hand, and it's like, oh, that's crazy. Okay. It doesn't really work for me, but it's a uh, you know it's an interesting technique. And then there was um. I remember because in the um, place it was, it was a hotel that had a bar in the upper floor. Mm-hmm. And I remember it was like one night, super late at night. And Jason, oh, not Jason Richardson, um, Rusty Cooley was just on the floor with his guitar. Just a bunch of us sitting around him. And he was just talking theory, talking about, you know, even though he's a shredder, he has a lot of like jazz inspiration. Mm-hmm. And he threw out some like jazz books he listened to, he um, recommended. And I and, like that was just just so much information. I, can't, I couldn't pinpoint one thing. Awesome. Just, just, you just hope you, you remember like 5% of it. Oh, dude. Yeah. Like, I remember like every morning for breakfast, I'd be like going through the notes, looking stuff up if I didn't understand it. Cause like, I got to keep this stuff because this is just, it was just great information. Yes. But I think probably one of the highlights was, um, there was a one day where it was, um, John Petrucci was making burgers outside. So, you know, it's an honor to say that you had a burger made to, for you by John Petrucci. Mm-hmm. That was great. That's all. So he didn't do any smoking? Cause he's a big um, he's a big fan of the uh, of smoking meat. Oh yeah, he is. Yeah, no, I don't think he did. That would've been awesome though, but I don't think he did. A lot of the meals were like done by the hotel, but it was just like that one special day where it's like John Petrucci's making burgers, and we're all like, hell yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, there was, there was also definitely um a lot of beard talk, but all but mm-hmm. I can't grow one, so I was left out of that one. <laughs> that's all right. You'll get there one day. Um. So going back to your family, so you said your your um your grandfather was a guitar player, um and yeah. and you was did your uncle play as well or does he play? Yeah, he he plays casually here and there, but um the like the main musician we kind of like look up to was my grandpa. Um, his his name in Mexico was Juan Palomo, which translates to like John Dove. Okay, and he was like kind of like averagely popular in Mexico. He wasn't he never went like huge, but he had some hits out there. Nice. And so it's always fascinating to me because, like, you know, me and my brother were the only, like, two serious musicians in the family. And so it's like, oh, yeah, it's us two. So we kind of look up to our grandpa because he was, you know, the first one we could think of in the family. Sure. What do, what does your blo- brother play? Um, He's a classical trombone player. Okay. Killer trombone player, too. Yeah. Awesome. So you're definitely ca- carrying on the lineage then. Definitely, yeah. That's, that's... Makes, me, makes me happy. That's great. Yeah, my my grandfather was both um, a painter and a um, p- pianist. Um, I That's mean, awesome. he never did anything professionally other than he did c- calligraphy and sign making and photography uh, professionally. But the art, the art and music was all, um, it was all kind of hobby. But we have so many paintings, um, and I just wish I'd paid attention to him teaching me theory back back when I was before i started playing guitar right at the beginning but yeah it's it's great to have you know have someone in your family to look up to but realize that you know you definitely have that in your dna so yeah well that's awesome that's awesome man yeah um so obviously your family's really supportive um which is which is really awesome Oh yeah, no, I am blessed every day. The fact that, you know, they support me and love me and don't say, go to law school, put on the guitar. What do you want to do with your life? You know, like to his sister. Yes, I got the reference. I know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see. So, so going to your strategies for learning, I mean, what, obviously you do, you put out a lot of covers. So do you have a set routine when you're trying to learn a, a song or do you just kind of 
jam along to things until you get them and then oh i can do that one now how do you how do you like strategize your learning i think i don't know i think for me it's like every once in a while i'll just hear a song and i'm just like i'll hear something in a song it's like you know what? i really really want to learn that so i'll try you know learning by ear find see if i can find like a tab online and then i'll just like you know workshop it you know play it slower kind of analyze okay it's in this key or it's in this mode um, they're playing it like this, the tempo. I try to analyze what they were probably, what the guitar player was probably thinking when they played it. It's like, oh, there, it's in this key, but they're using more of a pentatonic mindset over a more, you know, scale-oriented mindset. Mm-hmm. And then I'll just keep hammering at it until I get it or I don't, and get pissed off and walk away for half an hour and then come back. Sleep on it, and then then magically you're better at it. Yep. Um. So how how close do you um go as far as like? Like we said, before, we talked about the timbre of the notes and the the nuances and in, in bends and things like that. How how anal are you at, at getting that stuff, or you just basically get to where you you're happy with it? I guess it depends on the player too, but um, I think it kind of depends on what I'm doing. If it's more kind of like, hmm. oh, cause I think I've been in both categories. It was like you know, I'll play a band and recording, and I'll record it like fifty times. Cause like, no, it's not. It's not right. It's not you know. It's not the speed I want it. It's not the pitch I want it. Mm. But there's also times where I'm doing like a crazy shred thing where it's just like I just want to make some noise with that bend. Right. So I'll, I think it all depends on what I'm doing. So if it's like a you know like a Gary Moore still got the blues, I'm gonna be super super like anal about you know reaching that um note like at the right time. Mm-hmm. Awesome. So what? What's your? I think we touched on this a little bit before, but what's your opinion of music, the music industry in terms of um, streaming? Not so. I mean, someone of your age kind of didn't grow up with physical media as much, and it, you know, you you kind of, you know, streaming was already here when I, I presume when you you started really listening to music. So what what's your opinion of streaming versus physical media? Hmm. I think streaming is both a blessing and a curse because you know there's always the thing going on where, you know, people don't make as much money on streams off like, you know, Spotify, Apple music or Pandora. And, you know, that's, you know, honestly really true. But also I think streaming does a lot for like helping people find new things because the most music I found out about today, I wouldn't have known about if it weren't for streaming. I'd still be, you know, just listening to like the same three bands over and over again. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that's a fairly common opinion. Um, so yeah, as you said, you you can you can access, um, pretty much everything from the beginning of recording now. Whereas before, things were out of print and you couldn't get hold of it. Yeah, that's true. But I still think uh, like physical music today is great because it's kind of like a, I would say kind of like a trade between the consumer and the artist. Because, you know, the artist can put out like a vinyl, like, oh, a limited edition, multicolored vinyl, sell it for a bit more. But the the artist the or the fan's going to probably want it because like, oh, my God, it's a limited edition thing. And also, I want to support my favorite band. So I, c- I can see how like a lot of bands will start putting out like special, like physical, you know, music to kind of like, you know, give their fans something special, but also kind of encourage them to buy some physical music. Mm. Like I saw with um John with not John Petrucci with um Dream Theater's last album, they ha- they went to like a bunch of different like um vinyl sellers and were selling like multicolored vinyls limited edition like here and there, and it kind of gives fans an incentive to want to buy the physical uh, media. Sure. Right. Absolutely. I mean, I I still the only one, the only person I really buy for the most part now is um are you familiar with Mr. Fastfinger? Um, Mika, I'm not Mika Tiska. So check him out. Uh, plug for uh, one of my earlier episodes. He's a, a fantastic um, guitar player from Finland. And actually, speaking of Dream Theater, he did. Um, he's done a bunch of the animations uh, for the tour videos. You know the little cartoons. Oh no way! Yeah, and, from from this last tour. Um, I'm not sure. The last, he definitely did the Octavarium one and oh either way he, that's awesome he's done a few others but uh jordan's on a couple of his his records as a guest keyboard player but um he he puts out he does these um gofundme campaigns to to fund the creation of the physical media and you know it's not that that's the thing i love about it it's not just a plastic box with a cd in it it's you know it, it's it's a create really nice created art book you know he'll he'll throw in a pick tin he'll throw in a hand hand drawn 
you know, cartoon. He'll, you know, he'll he'll give you the down the backing tracks and and like a tab book for all the the guitar parts, um, and it's just stuff that you can't get from just a plastic box, um, or or listening to on Spotify. So having having that you know extra package is is really, um, it, it's really worth you know the price of admission if not more. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree because, you know, as a massive guitar nerd also, it's like, you know, I would totally geek out over that stuff, you know, like a lot of bands, you know, like you said, they're putting out like, um, you know, tablature um, like or like USB with the guitar profiles on it. Mm-hmm. It's like all the stuff they're putting out, it's like, you know, I geek out over that stuff. That stuff is so cool. And I think people, they'd have to understand that, like, you know, oh, the fans want this. Let's do it. Absolutely. Oh, that, yeah. that actually brings me to another subject. Um, So you, your, your setup at least in the studio is, is primarily your, uh, camper profiler. Is that, can you talk, yes, can you talk yeah. me through some of your setup and you, maybe your guitars as well? It's pretty simplistic. Um, I guess it depends what I, like, the reason I got the camper was that I liked being all over the place with, you know, tone and what genre I'm playing mm-hmm. because, you know, if I was just doing like rock or metal, I'd probably get something like a Mark five or like a roadster or something crazy like that, but Mesa. Yep. But also, I kind of want like you know more like a Marshall sound, or I want like a cleaner, like more fusion sound. Mm-hmm. So like the main like profiles I'll use is I have um what do I have right here? I have it right here with me. Um, I have one of them um an old Eggnator. Okay. I believe it's the forty one hundred. I like that one because it's, it's a bit of a more of like a smoother lead. Mm-hmm. It's not really like in your face. It's more just kind of like flowing. I have one of um the the new JP two C plus, which is just killer. It just it's so good. That's that's great. And then, um, yeah, no, it's it's just it's so it's so it's so good. I love it so much. So are you are and you then, constantly downloading profiles for it, like searching? Oh yeah, no, searching I, the web for stuff. Yeah, no, I'm always constantly looking at stuff, seeing you know what new stuff is out there. You know, always trying to find like, oh, there's an amp I've been like you know curious about. I'll see what it sounds like in the mix or into my camper. Right. And I'm always just trying to find new little things. And so playing live, do you do you run that live or do you have a um, like a, an, a a regular amp, or what are you playing through? Um, for live, yeah. Um, hmm. The pa- I guess for the most part, I run it through my um. I have a Blackstar HT sixty two twelve. Yep. I run the Kemper through that. Someday, you know, I like to upgrade it to like an actual like proper two twelve and get a power amp for it. Mm-hmm. But for now, it's I mean, it sounds great as is. So I was like, you know, I'm good with it right now. But also, I have it set up where you know. The front sound guy can go to front of house. I have a cab emulator on it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I hear, I so basically on stage, I hear it from my amp, but the audience and the sound guy hears it straight from the camper through the monitors and all that. Right. So are you, are you, so I get, are you running into the, uh, the back end of the, the, um, the loop? Just, yeah, that's what I'm doing. Yeah. Just using the power amp. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's, that's, you really, there's a there's a whole school of thought I'm sure I'm sure you've seen like people say tubes are better and profiling's not quite there yet and all this kind of stuff yeah. but you, you just hit upon a good point is like just download the uh, download the profile to see what it sounds like and then you don't even have to go to the guitar store to 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 try out the amp I mean there is there is the part of the physical tubes and and you know playing through the amp it is slightly different but i'm sure you've seen yeah. the anderton's video where they couldn't tell the difference oh yeah no i love that one that's, that's <laughs> a good one you, you just can't you just can't beat that i mean yeah no like you know as as much as I love my camper nothing beats like the, there's like, such like a romantic factor to like plugging to like a 412 marshall and just cranking in just hitting some power chords like nothing can beat that but is it the most practical probably not <laughs> nope nope but uh, not, not with the, especially for people who who do fly dates, and that's that's where the uh, profiling technology just comes into its own. It's just, it, it's totally not um, cost effective these days to fly with amps. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I see a lot of guys that use campers. They'll just have their own like pedal boards, like a tiny little thing that goes in their backpack, and they'll just gig with that, and it's awesome. Mm-hmm. But yeah, no, I am. What was I gonna yep. say? <laughs> Oh yeah, um, like yeah, I definitely met my fair share of guys are like, oh, the Kemper sucks. You need pure tubes, and it's like you know, you know, tubes obviously sound great, but I think for my school of thinking is that you know, unless your audience is all like musicians, I think even then, for the most part, the audience doesn't really care. Cause I mean, like as long as I think as long as it sounds good, the audience is happy, and as long okay, as long as 
the audience thinks it sounds good and as long as you think it sounds good that's all that matters yeah i mean and and, and even even then i i saw a band open up uh who was it i think it might have been the paul gilbert show i went to recently um their guitar players were using x8 floor floor pedals and it was going straight into the uh through the monitor and they had an awesome sound like the only reason i knew it was an x8 is because i saw them saw them on the floor i i wouldn't i wouldn't have been able to figure out it wasn't a tube amp no i'm always like shocked and surprised by all the new stuff's coming out like um your camper put out a foot pedal recently or they're putting it out soon then there's um the helix stuff um oh, what was mm-hmm. that? Oh, there was another one that came out recently like last year but it's pretty much the same thing and it's like all oh, just it's making it so much more convenient for like guitar players to get on and off stage and for traveling have you seen the amp one by thomas blug i have not i'm gonna have to look that up so um i believe doug pinnock uses oh no not doug pinnock so jennifer batten plays one definitely um but it's basically a, a full amp in a pedal and it uses a microtube. And so instead of being a muddled sound, it's an actual amp sound. And it's loud as hell, apparently. And I'm really intrigued by it. Because Thomas Blug actually uh, used to... De- I, I don't know if he still does, but he used to design for Hughes and & Kettner. And he's an amazing player regardless. But he, he's uh, a pretty amazing engineer as well. So that's one thing I'm definitely interested in. That's cool. I think I think I might have heard of those. It's just like a little pedalboard amp where you can like plug it into the back end of whatever amp you want. Is that what it is? No, you can plug it straight into a cab. It's it's a full oh, amp. Oh, that's so much cooler. But it, yeah, it's a pe- it's a pedal. Oh, it's a it's just in a pedal format. That's crazy. Oh my god. Yeah. So I, that's one thing I want to try. Yeah, I got to let me know what was it called again. I'm writing that down. I, I need to know what that is. It's it's called Blue Guitar B L U Guitar. Blue guitar. And it's amp one, and there's uh, I think there's like a a highly saturated metal version now, and there's one other version. Uh, they they may not have been released yet. By the way, I'm not, when those come out, I'm gonna have to check it out because that sounds awesome. Yeah. Um, the only other thing I did see in your in in the last video I watched, do you have a an eleven rack? Do you still use that? Because I have one, and I'm on the fence about getting rid of it. Um, I don't use it as often. Um, my my. Um, my guitar instructor one day he's like oh i haven't because he uses 11 racks every once in a while he's also a kemper guy but every once in a while he uses an 11 rack Mm. he's like hey i have an 11 rack screen's broken but if you use the online rack editor you you can use it do you want it i'm like sure and i'd use it you know and i use it here and then just to mess with it but you know i have to use my kemper it's like it's it's great but i'll pass right yeah i mean i i don't have the budget for a kemper or or xfx right now so I'm I'm torn between using that and my uh my Boss GT Pro. Um I'm just a bit of a Boss yeah. fanboy so I'm usually sticking with that. Um but I'm I'm going to kind of mess around with all my amps and and stuff and see you know what makes most sense and what's easiest to yeah. set up. Yeah, setting up on stage for like bands that's I, th- I think probably when playing live that's my biggest concern it's like not even like you know memorizing the music or if there's like a movement i need to do somewhere it's just like setup. that's what gives me the most anxiety when setting up on a stage because in my past experience like you know it's always you know it's never been like bad but it does like you know when they're you know when you're at the whiskey you know they're telling you get off get off get off i got another band to set up and you got to carry your amp and your pedal board and your guitars off and you're like oh can i get some help but everyone's helping the drummer and it's like oh well i understand but also i need help please and that always just you need to get oh. married. Right? That, that, yeah. I just hand my guitar to my wife. Here you go. You put that in the case. I've shown you how. Uh, yeah, I know. Like, oh, oh, why'd you guys get married? I needed a roadie for free. Exactly. <laughs> it wasn't anything else. Yeah, I know. She's the worst. Yeah. But she, she doesn't She do, She doesn't listen to the podcast, so it's okay. Oh, God. Like, oh yeah, um, no, she's the worst. But also, you know, she can carry two guitars at once. So, yeah, it's worth it. No, she's she's not the worst because she bought me a guitar this year, so I cannot complain. So, um, getting to uh, some other questions. What what significant negative experience have you overcome, and what did it teach you? Negative experience, like in um, like in what aspect of music? In in life oh, in general, if, in if life? there's something. Ooh. Yeah, anything. I think the best one will be one that I'm currently overcoming. And I think that's just a lot of um, self-doubt when it comes to my skill and putting content out there. Mm-hmm. Because 
it's an ongoing thing because like after I you know left high school and I'm you know out in the free world, I'm my own person now. I kind of realized that like you know I don't know who I am. I feel like it's pretty common for a lot of kids. You know, when, like when we start becoming adults, the, and I was I, I realized that a lot of times when it came to like what I did musically, it wasn't what I wanted. It was oh, what do I think these people would like? Oh, what if I wrote a song? But I think that you know, what if I wrote a song that you know the metalheads would like or the shredders would like? I wasn't thinking what do I want to listen to. And I think it's one of the biggest things I've been working on overcoming and realizing is that the mindset I'm trying to get is, you know, create something that you yourself would geek out and like, because if you're just trying to like, you know, mm. appeal, appeal to a trend or whatever, you won't be happy. Yeah, it might get popular, but is it really you? And that's what I want to try to do is find something that if I were an outside listener, I'd be like, oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I don't, I, I think a lot of, uh, you know, older people, even older than me, struggle with that. So figuring that out this early is, is going to help you out yeah. so much. That's why, that's why I liked um, taking the gap year. Like, not that I, I think like college mm. would get in the way, but I kind of like that I could take the time and just kind of, you know, meditate and figure out, you know, who am I trying to be? What is in my head? How do I get what's in my head onto, you know, the guitar? So it's flipping it around. What major positive experience has given you an encouragement to follow you know, music, presumably as a career. As a career, positive experiences. I think it had to be um, joining, because I, <laughs> I hate to admit it, but um, all throughout high school, middle school, and I wasn't just in the jazz band, but also I was in like the, you know, the band band, like playing a horn instrument. And like, you know, even though I wasn't crazy about horn instruments, it did give me so much passion, inspiration, and friendship for going on to music. Because, mm. you know, my seventh grade band director, He's always been super supportive of anyone that wanted to go into music. He'd be saying, oh, yeah, there's this event going on here or there's this, you know, competition going on here. Check it out. And he's always super supportive. And also in um, the seventh grade, I met my best friend who his um, through him. I met um, his stepdad, who was a guitar teacher and has been like probably my biggest inspiration since the seventh grade. He's always been super supportive. He's taught me so much, so, so much. I wouldn't be where I am without him. I'm going I'm to shout him out. His name is Griff Hamlin. Um, he does blues guitar unleashed. Crazy good guitar player, crazy good blues guitar player too. So check him out. But yeah, no, like yeah, that's great. I hope you don't mind. I did that. No, not at all. No, it's it. You can never understate the importance of a good mentor or mentors. Oh yeah, no, he's like full on been like Mr. Miyagi to me. Like I don't know, it's it's crazy because without him, I'd probably still be like you know with a two twelve and like a cheap guitar. But not that you know he um like bought stuff but it's more like he showed me the uh, further level of guitar gear because at first i just got a distortion pedal like a cheap one turned it to 10 and then hit it but he's like oh no what you want to do is you want to use that as a boost and also check this out and this out and this out and help me kind of become a guitar player not just a guitar learner right yeah yeah um i mean i think thinking back to my first electric i had a squire strat when they really sucked nice um, a squire what 10 watt amp if that and a and a rap pedal i got eventually that was my that was my setup for a fair fair amount of time my my first like serious gear had to be, i had like a um what was it oh well the first like electric guitar i had was one of those like cheap like dean starter packs that came with like a tiny little like tiny like what five watt amp and a guitar strap and picks all that yep. but my first like actual like gear i probably ever used it was probably like, hmm. it was an Epiphone SG and one of those like Fender Mustang 20 watts and a, and a wah. That's all I had. Mm -hmm. I knew Slash used the wah, so I wanted a wah, obviously. Right. As long as you don't um, venture into uh, Kirk oh, Hammett yeah. wah land. <laughs> I didn't say that. Yeah. No, you did. <laughs> I'm going to hold you accountable to that. So what, what? So the ultimate question is, what does music mean to you? What does music mean to me? Ooh, mm -hmm. getting philosophical here. Ooh. what does music mean to me it means a lot I, <laughs> i'm just trying to think because like you know growing up i remember that i wanted you know i'd watch movies and i think oh, i wanted to be an actor because it looks so cool but now like, going older i realized i didn't want to be an actor i just thought it was cool the way the music led to a movie making the actor look awesome mm. and so i think that's the kind of point where it made for me it made me realize what music was to me and it was kind of like life 
music is representation. It's probably the hmm, it's the closest way we could emotionally show how we feel. I don't know how to say this, but I'm just hmm, sorry for my stuttering. No, you're fine. Yeah, it's it's a deliberately difficult question. Yeah, put me on the spot, man. Come on, gotta 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 go with the tough questions. Yeah. So, all right. So, um, where can people find you? And is there any music up online yet, or you just basically have your Instagram and your YouTube? Right now, it's just been my Instagram and YouTube. Then you brought up music because that was another thing I thought you know might be interesting to touch up on was um, you know dealing with songwriting and writer's block because I've been dealing with that for the past like oh, three please years. Do. Yeah, please do. I mean, what? So you, you're struggling with that right now? Let, uh, do you have some uh, tips or anything, or you just want to talk through? what your experience is. I just thought it'd be interesting to talk about it and see maybe if you had an experience and have a, you know, a dialogue about it. Cause I think for me, like when I first started getting to like songwriting, I'd be like, you know, pumping stuff out. And then for a long time, like, you know, throughout high school where I was kind of like at the peak of my self doubt, I was like, I just don't know what to write. I don't know how to write. I just didn't really feel like I had any good ideas. And then when you told me, and I was like, Hey, you want me on my podcast? Do you want to be on my podcast? I'm like, sure. Sounds great. Then you said, Oh, I want to put a song afterwards. I'm like, I don't have a song. So that kind of like pushed me into gear to write a song. And for the first time in a long time, I'm really proud of what I've written. Yeah. Um, I think so. So you sent me that this afternoon and my yeah. comment back to you was um, something to the effect of that's ridiculous. Mike Viney will be sending you your, your offer letter very shortly. <laughs> yeah. So, so how long did that take you to write? So just for context, it's uh, we'll, we'll play it at the end of the, the podcast. It's called, yeah. um, uh, the, the the heist, heist. yeah so it's called the heist and it's a six minute ridiculousness rump of and and i i i hear parts of satch vi nuno betancourt marty friedman in there it's just perfect you know it's yeah. like what like it goes back to the how are you 18 and doing this stuff you know it, as you see <laughs> Um, you know, when I first started playing guitar, you know, I had no friends and no life, so I had a lot of time to practice. Now that I'm 18, <laughs> I still have no life and no friends, so I have a lot of time to practice. There you go. But no, I think a lot of it is just like the passion and drive to just like, you know, the typical thing, I'll practice every day. But I think that was just a lot, a lot of practicing, but I think more than that, a lot of listening, trying to find new stuff. I feel like that kind of goes like like uh, under the under the table a bit. It's like, you know, how important it is to like listen to stuff. Because mm. like no, I, I Absolutely. Because, like, when I first started listening to, like, Dream Theater and John Petrucci, I had no idea the difference between alternate picking and all these different different techniques. But I'd hear the picking attack, so I'd try it on my own. And then, you know, I'd go on to learn about how he did it, the different types of picking. But just from listening, I would hear the kind of nuances they would add to their playing. It's like, oh, I can try adding that to my playing without even knowing the proper licks. Right. Yeah, I think, I think it's not just practice for practice sake. It's applied practice and being really specific at what you're doing. Oh, definitely. And metronome. If, Practice with a metronome at all times. Yes. Yeah, I'm a bit sloppy on that, but I still think it's like, do it. It's important. It is. Going back to uh, like writer's block. I mean, so do you find are you find did you find that the me kind of saying, hey, I need a song for the end of the interview, like that put pressure on you, and you like performed under pressure. Yeah, I think that's what. Yeah, I think that's what it was like. Usually, I, I, you know, I would think that, oh, I'm not good under pressure. I need, I need my time. But now that I have all the time in the world, I realized, no, I need to be under pressure to put stuff out. Because like, when I first started writing this, I was like, okay, I just want something that can kind of show my, my abilities, something short, kind of like a, plat- like, like a food platter of shred. But after a while, I was like, <laughs> you know what? No, this is, becoming, this is becoming you know, something I can take seriously and become its own thing. So instead of becoming a two- or three-minute theme, it became a six-and-a-half-minute rock song. And it's like... Oh, okay. It's still cool though. But yeah. Right. And and you know, it's still in demo phase, so you know, once you once you get it like mixed and mastered, that's going to be ridiculous. Yeah, and no, I have some good ideas for it because originally it was just like about writing um just like a song about shred, but I'm like for the longest time I wanted to do something kind of like, you know, like um Satch Bogey or the audience is listening by Steve Vai where it kind of like has a kind of like a, that shuffle jazz kind of thing. Mm-mm. And so I tried throwing that everywhere. Then after a while, I just kind of took it into my head. It's like, you know what? This reminds me of like, like a, like a kind of like a fifth ignore era, like bank robbery, but with metal. So that's why I call it the right, heist. Right. Um, did you, so go, did, did you find when you were doing like, um, 
you know, exams or, or like you had, had a, had to have a paper due the next day. Um, did you find more success writing papers right up to the deadline or? Oh, I would, I would definitely do better when I was like, you know, last minute because I'm a massive procrastinator, especially at school. So, you know, mm. almost everything was done at the last minute and Hey, you know, I graduated, I only got like three C's ever. So, Hey, you know, I did all right. Yeah, I I found the same thing in in college. I I would always leave my papers to the last minute, and I couldn't. I'd stare at blank page for a couple of weeks, and then, you know, the last last couple of days is like crap. I have to write three thousand words, and and then it would come out. So I don't know. There there is something I I hate having that pressure, but there's definitely something to be said for that. You know, being a catalyst for actually producing something. I know it's crazy. It's just like it's, it's both tension and release because the tension is like, oh god, I gotta do this right now. You know, you feel the pressure of the deadline, mm. but then once you do it, you you know, you probably put out something that you wouldn't have done if you had three weeks to go over it, and you keep doubting yourself and changing things. But no, if it's the last minute, you have you have no choice but to put what you have on the paper and put it out. Right. So with music. Exactly, and that's kind of a, a good microcosm for music itself: tension and release. Yeah. All right. I'm stealing that word, microcosm. I'm stealing that word. Okay, please do. Um, yeah, so let, let's um, tell people where, where they can find you on, on the socials. On the socials, on YouTube, I'm just Diego Vargas. On Instagram, I am Diego the Guitarist. On Twitter, I am Diego V Guitarist. And on Facebook, I'm also just Diego Vargas. It's pretty much just me. It's my name. Well, great. Any, any closing uh, statements or advice? Um, any closing statements and advice? Um. Thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. Any advice to anyone listening? You know, be the best you you can be. Even if it's weird and you don't think anyone will like it, just be you. You know, because I, not to go on a side tangent, but I think an example of it is like Pantera. Their big motto is always, you know, like, you know, we are what we are. We are heavy metal. If you don't like it, you can get the hell out. And I think that's what radiates a lot of people. So, like, if you have an idea or, like, a creative concept or even just something you want to do, just do it and be the best you can be while doing it. Awesome advice. Thank, thank you. you. Thank you, Diego. Diego, son. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> I got my tea here with me. I am the wise wizard. All right. Well, thank you. I really appreciate you taking the time out. And, um, yeah, we'll definitely keep in touch. Yeah, definitely. It's been a blast. I've had a lot of fun doing this. Absolutely. Are you planning on going to CD Baby Conference next year? Um, I haven't checked the dates, but you know, once I get more you know details, let me figure out because if it's anything like last year, I definitely want to go again. Yeah, it's definitely going to be in Austin. Um, I don't know if it's going to be the same weekend or not, but um, definitely going to be in Austin. So I plan on being there. Oh, cool. So yeah, well, hopefully, I'll see you right. then. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, and uh, keep in touch. And um, I'll play the end of the episode out with um, with the heist. No problem. Thank you. Thank you again for listening to the episode. Please consider taking time to sign up for the mailing list at the website at musiconyourownterms.com so you can keep up to date on everything going on with the podcast. I have some incredible interviews coming up that you will not want to miss. Also, I'd really appreciate it if you could leave a review on iTunes. This really helps to get the word out about the podcast as I feel there's a ton of great information that's coming out of these interviews about subject matter and the personalities I'm talking to. So if you like what you hear, please spread the word. As always, keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Diego Vargas and The Heist. <laughs>